it was just an incredible display of college basketball. And I think that, you know, they say those who are religious say that you really have those moments where you discern your call. I think that was the moment for me sitting there like three or four beers deep watching taco fall and you eke out a win against Illinois state and realized <laughs> that what God wanted from me was to resurrect the NIT and to bring it back to its former glory. These are the tales of college basketball past as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending team seasons, on and off court moments, memories of personal fandom catastrophe and elation, and yes, alcohol. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. And I'm Pat. We do the work, you tell the story. These are the college basketball stories. I'm an IT Stu, and I'm going to tell you the story of the 1970 NIT. Now, for those of you who are maybe more casual college basketball fans, you might not remember that in addition to being the more selective tournament, personally speaking, uh, objectively, I guess speaking, not personally, this is an objective matter. 32 teams, <laughs> it's harder to get into than 68, just frankly a little gluttonous. It's also the more historic tournament, and prior to the Vietnam War, which messed a lot of things up, it generally accepted that the NIT was the better tournament than its bastard child, uh, the imitator, the one that arose a year later, the one that dominates your CBS communist broadcasting service um, <laughs> televisions every March right now. The NIT was, in America's greatest age, its greatest tournament, and it still is. That's the thing that perhaps we don't talk about enough, is that the NIT still is the greatest tournament. But that's probably a matter for another time or later in this podcast. What we're here to talk about is the 1970 NIT, because what happened in 1970 was Al McGuire fell on the sword, and in doing that, Al McGuire changed history. Now, what you might not know about Al McGuire is who he is. Al McGuire, arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time, um, in my opinion, perhaps the greatest coach of all time, certainly culturally, if not on the basketball co court. Al McGuire was the coach at Marquette for a number of years, um, or as I call it, Marquois. He was the coach, but before, I guess before I tell you about Marquois and Al McGuire and that's that serious 1970 season. I should establish why the NIT deserves its place at the top of the college basketball and perhaps the world's hierarchy of tournaments. We've talked about how it's more selective, mm -hmm. 32 teams being a harder field to crack than 68. We've talked about the history, um, but there are a number of things that also just, uh, just kind of add to the mystique. It's the only tournament of the two biggest postseason college basketball tournaments that's played on teams' home courts. It's the only tournament played on ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports. So if you're playing on the worldwide leader in sports, I would assume you are a worldwide leader in sports. It's also the only tournament that I am named after. 
Um, and I haven't seen anybody running around named NCAA blank stew. <laughs> I don't like to say where I'm from. So the NIT entered my life in a big way in 2017. I was, like many of you, very bored at work. I would imagine some of you are bored at work as you're listening to this now. But imagine that instead of being at work saying, I'm going to listen to a podcast, you said, I'm going to start an NIT pool. That was what happened to me in March of 2017. I said, innocently, I'm going to start an NIT pool. And from there, fate had its way. Here I am crusading for, on behalf of the NIT and on behalf of its return to prominence. It was, I don't know what day of the week it was, probably a Monday, but I texted 30 or 40 of my closest friends asking for an for entries to this NIT pool, and I, as you might expect, got four plus my own, leading to a pool of five of us <laughs> with a grand total in the pot of $25. <laughs> it was a thrilling start to the NIT, and I missed it entirely because the NIT happened really fast. And by the time I looked up, we were already through the first two rounds and going into the quarterfinals. And what's more, Depending on the result of a game between UCF and Illinois State, two titans of the college basketball landscape, playing in normal Illinois that night, shout out to the to the Bloomington normal friends, the uh, that game could have decided the pool, could have decided who got twenty five dollars. So I came home from a brewery and said, I need to I need to tune into this game, and I was glad I did. This was before. Taco Fall really burst onto the mainstream. I mean, you've seen the swim lesson videos in Boston. You've seen him in the NBA bubble doing whatever he did in the NBA bubble. But at this point, he was just a guy named Taco who was about nine feet tall, just dominating the paint for the University of Central Florida, which, um, like Marquois, which we'll get back to, has a dubious connection to outer space, which I guess does make sense when you consider that that's where Taco Fall also resides. So I'm watching this game. Taco Falls involved. There's a transfer. I forget who it was. Somebody had transferred from Illinois to UCF or vice versa. So there was some bad blood there. The clock, I don't know. I may have, my memory might have made this up, but my memory tells me that the clock in normal had malfunctioned and that the PA announcer in the arena just had to say the time every 30 seconds like this was Hoosiers. And... <laughs> Then to cap it all off, the game ended with two fouls away from the hoop in the final five seconds of the game. So understandably, I was hooked. I saw this. This was the greatest display of college basketball <laughs> that I had ever seen. It was being played in this like half-empty arena in normal that was still very loud because the people who were there were really into it. Because you don't really go to an NIT game unless you're either really into it or you're like trying to occupy a toddler for two hours. So the place was going bananas, but it also had empty seats all over the place. I was in love. And I started looking back at the rest of the tournament, and the thing was nuts. Illinois State's coach had been tweeting out bitmojis, daring power conference schools to schedule his team. Indiana, <laughs> which was on track to fire Tom Crean, or maybe had done it already, refused a home game because they thought that it was beneath them, which was really funny two years later when they decided to host games and then were pretty tough home court through the quarterfinals of the 2019 NIT. It was Jamie Dixon was involved and all I could think about watching TCU go on this run was like, man, Jamie Dixon's wife has to be so confused. What is the NIT? Like, what is this thing that 
were playing in and should I go to New York with him for it? Why does he seem so sad about it? And you had Josh Pastner on the other side of the bracket. This was Georgia Tech's like coming out party for Josh Pastner, who at that point, um, at that point, shoot, what's whatever Bill Walton's kid's name is, Luke Walton. Luke Walton was fresh Luke, off I am dominating with the Warriors. Exactly. Fresh off dominating with the Warriors. He had come out of the Josh Pastner coaching tree. So Josh Pastner was just living it up. Thought he was going to be the greatest coach of all time. Some would say he is after the face shield season. It was <laughs> incredible NIT. And I was like, man, every NIT has got to be this good. Why aren't people watching this instead of that other tournament where, you know, coaches get fired because they do bad instead of getting fired because they made it in the first place. It was it was just an incredible display of college basketball. And I think that, you know, they say, those who are religious say that you really have those moments where you discern your call. And I think that was the moment for me, sitting there like three or four beers deep watching Taco Fall and UCF <laughs> eke out a win against Illinois State. And I realized <laughs> that what God wanted from me was to resurrect the NIT and to bring it back to its former glory. Yes. <laughs> and that's really where the 1970 season comes in because in some ways the 1970 NIT was the NIT's last stand. So we, we mentioned that Al McGuire plays a role in this. Al McGuire, the greatest coach of all time, some might say, again, certainly culturally, if not on the basketball court. Al McGuire's Marquois Golden Eagles, or the Warriors, as they were then known, were, um, they had a great season. They were still independent back then. The conferences weren't as much of a thing. It was a a much more laissez-faire approach. Some would say more American, frankly. And the Marquois team received an invitation to that other tournament. And on matters of principle, Al McGuire declined. Al McGuire said, we want to go to the better tournament. We want to go to the NIT. Now, this, of course, has been changed in history. Uh, The NCAA gets his fingers and things. So the story now is that he was offended that they were in the Midwest regional instead of the Mideast. But we know that what happened was that Al McGuire wanted to save the NIT. And he came close. Um, It was the start of decades of NCAA maneuvering and ultimately a lawsuit where the NIT sold for millions and millions of dollars, $56 million, I think it was. So like one and a half Max Scherzers. Uh, That's what the NIT was worth in 2005. (laughs) Which is kind of a lot. I If I was worth one and a half Max Scherzers, I would feel really good about myself. And I suppose that yeah. by association, I kind of am, because I am I am named after the tournament, which right. made a lot more sense once I became an NIT fan. Yeah. You were mentioning um, no affiliation conference-wise as kind of being more American. How do you feel about there being an American conference these days? Mm. I mean, I still recognize Conference USA as the American conference. Mm. That's why UTSA is my national champion in football right now. Um, <laughs> but at the same, and I, I also get confused because I, beep, beep. I don't know. What do you guys call the American conference? Do you call it the American? Do you call it the AAC? Because when I say the American, I feel like I'm, I don't know, like Ernest Hemingway saying that he's going to have lunch with the American in one of those novels, <laughs> right? Like it's just this generic term for a man in a French coffee house. <laughs> that, that's what I think of when I think of the American. It's probably the AAC, but it like wants to be called the American to like yeah. up its prestige. Right, yeah. right. I know. Yeah. I mean, you also, the, the way that it was founded was kind of the opposite of 
how America was founded, right? Because everybody broke away from the American conference, whereas America was founded because we broke away from everywhere else. Mm. So I don't know. Facts only, but those so are the facts. The everywhere else conference is what it should be called. I think it should be called the everywhere else conference. And I think that would make a lot more sense given yeah. its trajectory. Like it keeps going back to Boise state being like, what about now? What about now? What about now? <laughs> and if All there's right. anywhere that's everywhere else, it's Boise. <laughs> Officially, the EEC. The EEC, the Everywhere Else Conference. I like that. You call it EEC, too. It rolls off the tongue behind the hack. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if Taco Fall would have eked out the win, oh, but they were in the EEC. That's mm. so true. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they. I mean, don't get me wrong. The AAC has been a great contributor to the NIT. They brought us Taco Fall. Um, SMU was kind of a factor last year in a small way. Memphis won it all. I f always forget that they're still in the American and still haven't managed to get out of that league. So <laughs> the AAC, we're tight with the AAC, and it looks like, again, might be a lot of teams from the AAC coming our way this year. So Wichita State, we got eyes on you again. We know you're making eyes at us. We're, we're doing the dance. But <laughs> at the same time, Conference USA, I mean, it's the USA. It's not just America. It's the USA. So I'm a Conference USA guy personally, but tomato, tomato. <laughs> so before we get into this, the actual 1970 NIT, we should probably talk about the national and international and intergalactic context in which this team was playing. This was not just a basketball team. This was a movement. You saw it. Uh, on the court, you saw it in the rafters, you saw it on their warm-ups, which featured the largest patch I've ever seen. You'd think of patches as like, I think of my Little League patch when I hear about patches. is that thing that had like Little League pledge on it and the logo and it was there on your left sleeve. Marquois was not just about that patch. These guys were wearing like, it was like a basketball-sized patch on their warm-ups with a picture of an eagle, well, a drawing of an eagle on the moon looking back at the earth saying i did that i did that i did that like amir garrett style in that fight against yasiel or with yasiel puig against the pirates like this guy <laughs> this eagle is fired up on the patch and they had multiple warm-ups because when people talk about 1970 marquois they talk about the bumblebee uniforms right there that navy blue they got the horizontal yellow stripes and they had warm-ups like that they were the bowling shirt style still they had the yellow piping down the chest they had the patch on the also well i guess they had the piping kind of down the whole torso the patch was on the chest matching shorts high socks looking great looking fly they also had home warm-ups where these really looked like bowling shirts. They've got a big yellow sleeve. They got a stripe coming down over the right shoulder with navy that dark navy blue that kind of looks black in pictures because I'm a little colorblind. The patch is still there. The rest of it's white. Some say that the sleeve on the right arm was a little bigger for righties so they could shoot more freely in warm-ups. Some say that that was the case for the left arm with lefties, but I haven't spoken to the tailor personally. The... <laughs> I mean, these guys were decked out. And why were they recognizing Apollo 11? Well, we know it wasn't because of Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong famously went to Purdue. Um, but that didn't stop Marquette. Marquette looked at the moon landing in 1969, and they were like, we can get in on this. 
an incredible display of drafting off of a cultural moment, right? Um, I'm trying to think of a modern comparison. I don't think anything's been accomplished on this level since the moon landing, so I'm not sure that we can do it, but it would basically be like if today I made up an award and gave it to the three guys who walked on the moon because that's exactly what Marquette did. <laughs> they looked at the moon landing and they were like, we need to be a part of this. We need to have some some sort of credit for the moon landing and they took those three guys neil armstrong buzz aldrin the third guy and they brought them marquette they gave them the Pere marquois award they decided it was an award for explorers i assume because uh father marquette the guy that the school was named after was an explorer and they retired number 11. They went to the trouble. Marquette doesn't have that many retired numbers, and one of them's 11 because of the Apollo 11 mission, and the school has no tie whatsoever <laughs> to Apollo. It's not even like, oh, like Buzz Aldrin's aunt went here. Like, Buzz Aldrin, like, walked by here once. Buzz Aldrin <laughs> presumably had never heard of Perry Marquois before this 1969 ceremony, where I'm assuming they raised the jersey into the rafters and everybody went nuts because... This guy had walked on the moon, and there he was in person on the court. And, I mean, we'll talk more about metaphysics when it comes to Pistol Pete, but you gotta <laughs> wonder if there was something with those moon rocks and this team, because there was some magic happening. And even just the courage that it took for Al McGuire to turn down the NCAA that year. It takes a lot of courage to stand up to the NCAA. I mean, that's what, uh, that's what Jay Billis will tell you, right, is that his job is the most courageous in the world where you just dump on the NCAA all the time. And I like to think, you know, we know Al McGuire had stones. I think they may have been some moonstones personally. So when do you think Marquette will retire Jay Bellis's Duke uniform for all his courageous efforts? That's a great question. I would imagine that it will either be when he walks on the moon or when the NCAA completely disintegrates and the NIT returns to its prominence. When the NIT is the <laughs> tournament again, I do think Jay Billis will have played a role in that. I know Duke is a very anti-NIT school, but personally I count Jay Billis a friend because of his war against the NCAA. Like the number of times that you tweet the NCAA is evil, I mean, if you do that as many times as Jay Billis has done, clearly you're doing something right in the eyes of the Lord. Um, I, I do think that he'll be rewarded in the end with his jersey right alongside those of the astronauts, which they, I assume they all wore the 11 Marquette jersey on the moon, too. I like to picture them doing that. Like they're wearing the astronaut suit, then they're also wearing these bowling warm ups. And. <laughs> <laughs> they're just hopping out of the of the little module ready to shoot some hoops. Ready to dunk on some fools, frankly, and with the lower gravity. You think Buzz Aldrin <laughs> would have jammed on the moon? I mean, probably. Most likely. I assume that he did. Frankly. It's gonna be awesome when we go to Mars and they're gonna be wearing the the bowling unis plus the uh Apollo eleven, number eleven, and then you know somebody's got a a Jay Billis Duke jersey yes. on as well. And they're just that's you know, where Jay Billis is gonna walk. Mars. Jay Billis and Matt Damon on Mars together wearing <laughs> Marquette gear. I can see it now. Oh my god. Al McGuire walked so Jay Billis could run. That's what they say. <laughs> that's what they say. I mean, from one voice of truth to another, 
it really I think the lineage is very clear from Al McGuire to Jay Billis. And I would like I mean, to see just... a ninety four feet about the Apollo eleven team. <laughs> ninety four <laughs> ninety four feet as they bounce on the moon or on yes, Mars. Ninety four feet with Neil Armstrong's ghost. <laughs> instead of instead of it taking what like the the like fourteen seconds that it usually takes, it's gonna take like three and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's getting into really really going into the backstory. They have to cut some commercial in the middle of it. <laughs> oh my god. So that was I mean and I think that's that's another thing for people to realize about this nineteen seventy NIT is that this was bigger than sports. This was about yeah, this is about this is bigger than the country, frankly. This is bigger than the world because we were going to the moon. But really the nineteen seventy NIT it fits into so many of these massive geopolitical conflicts, right? You've got the Cold War, um, the reason we were trying to go to the moon in the first place. You've got Vietnam, which I guess also ties back to the Cold War. You have um, me versus CBS, again, ties back to the Cold War. You've got the NCAA versus the NIT, again, ties back to the Cold War. This was really just like this war. It was an extension of the Cold War. It was an extension of the Cold War, and I think we won. I think we won on three of those fronts. We're not quite there on the fourth. I haven't yet been given full control of the NCAA to do with it what I please. But on three of the fronts, we won. So Al McGuire, three and one, which is a great record in anything but a single elimination tournament. Should we should we go back to 19, 1970 and Al McGuire's curse, or should we talk about maybe what happened after that and then get back to nineteen seventy? Because I feel like people should know what the NCAA did, and what the NCAA did after nineteen seventy was they made a rule, which is a very NCAA thing to do. Those guys love making rules, right? Like that's their whole. Look at all these rules. Yeah, they keep making all these rules. They're just they're rules guys, and it's like if we keep making enough rules people will keep obeying us. And then eventually what seems to be happening now, in my view as an NIT fan, is people are realizing, hey, we don't have to follow their rules, which is going to be great for the NIT. Because if everybody stops following these rules, you know where they're coming back to. And they're coming back to Madison Square Garden. And they're coming back to the NIT. Everyone's becoming like 13 or 14 years old, where it's like, hey, these rules don't have to be followed. Right, like, what's their enforcement mechanism? They're going to, like, make Oklahoma State skip their tournament? Okay. You know? Who wants to play in that tournament anyway? <laughs> they are making them miss the NIT, too, which is actually kind of relevant for Oklahoma State this year. But that's the idea, right? It's like, you know, the NCAA, what power do they have? If you just went and showed up at the court, would they stop you from playing? I don't think so. Personal. Oh, I, can't, I can't go to my friend's house. What if I sneak out and go to my friend's house? Right. <laughs> Eventually. Like, me. Yeah. And they need you more than you need them, Oklahoma State. So I say you show up and just kind of hover around and try to get on the court. And if you need to steal some uniforms to do it, you do it. And I'm not I'm not encouraging Mike Boynton to do that, but I'm encouraging Mike Boynton 100% <laughs> to do that. Well, look, yeah, 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 thank you. Thank you. You didn't hear it from me, Mike. Or you did. I'll take the fall. I'll take the fall. 
Because the NCAA, they said after Al McGuire did this, they were like, oh, well, if you want to play in the NIT and you turn down our invitation, you can't play in the NIT. We're making a rule that you can't do it, which is a really, I mean, everybody obeyed it for decades. So it was clearly a very effective rule, but I still don't really know what enforcement mechanism they had. People were scared enough that they didn't try it again. Um, it's one of the great injustices of our time, frankly. Uh, makes sense that it was happening around the Vietnam era, Watergate, the NCAA issuing this rule, the big three things of the late 60s, early 70s. The uh, And the result was that the NIT kind of, I mean, it took it on the chin. I'm not going to lie. The NIT, it took that hard, and it spent a lot of time trying to find its identity after that. For a while, it let ESPN do the selection. For a while, it just invited New Mexico every year because it knew that New Mexico people would turn on to watch it. Like, Lobo Nation, they watch basketball games. So the NIT was always inviting them. And it stunk because they weren't very good, so they kept losing. And so you didn't get a lot of games out of New Mexico. But the NIT, it was all about New Mexico for a while there. And then in, I think it was 2005, they finally settled an antitrust lawsuit. And that's why the NIT is actually owned now by the NCAA. So if you think about this, like a historical metaphor to make this maybe make more sense, this is kind of like when France was invaded by the Nazis and um, resistance campaigns were going on within that. So the Bark and Crow, the organization that I'm a part of, I would consider us to, or I would compare us to the French resistance. Right. We're really we're really uh, fighting the war from the inside. We're <laughs> holding out hope for the NIT. We're trying to liberate the NIT. And that's really the message that I hope that your listeners take away from this is that the NIT needs some liberation. And uh, whether it's whether it's in our name or in the name of our martyr, Al McGuire, who the NCAA, I'm assuming, killed. I'm assuming Al McGuire's dead now and that the NCAA killed him. I don't have any. Uh, I didn't do an autopsy myself, but I haven't seen it. So, again, two plus two, one would assume <laughs> that the NCAA may have may have taken some shots. Um, that's the message that I want everybody to take away is that we need to liberate the NIT. And the 1970 Marquois Golden, or the Marquois Warriors are, are the team that we, we should rally around when we're looking back to yesteryear for the way things should have been. Because Marquois came out of that season, they said... We're not going to Texas. We're not going to Kansas. We're going to New York City. And nothing against Texas. I live there. Nothing against Kansas. My aunt used to live there. But if you're going to play basketball, you want to play basketball in the garden. And Marquois understood that. And I, I kind of think they still do, based on them hiring my close personal friend, Shaka Smart, who was nice to me once and mean to me zero times. And uh, let the record show. That's yeah. a great ratio. He has been nice to me infinite times, as many times as he's been mean to me. So <laughs> all about, we're all about Shaka Smart in this household that I am coming to you from. <laughs> yeah. So Marquardt got into the NIT, and it was a loaded field. Um, thank you, Jeremy, for pulling this together. I sometimes forget how loaded of a field it was. It was Manhattan, a home court advantage. They don't play at Madison Square Garden. I don't think they ever did outside of the NIT, but they're, I'm, I think Manhattan might not even actually be on the island, Manhattan. There, I. This is an allegation. I could be wrong. I think Manhattan might be like up in White Plains or in the Bronx or something. There's something weird going on with Manhattan. Jasper's not who they say they are. But they were in the field. You had Dean Smith in North Carolina. You had Army in the pre-Coach K days. 
you had Georgia Tech, so Josh Passner wasn't there, but like the idea of Josh Passner was there, and also that huge Australian guy they had back around like oh six or oh seven. Also there, I assume. St. John's, the GOAT program. Um, Miami, Ohio, not the GOAT program, but a lot of fun. Great reputation in the greater uh, Great Lakes region, personally, coming from there myself. You had UMass, you had Utah, you had Duke, you had Oklahoma, Louisville, uh, Pete Maravich at LSU, and then Georgetown, one of the greatest programs of all time. So if you're telling me that the 1970 other tournament was better than this one, First of all, you're probably a plant, and second of all, you're wrong. This was a this was a loaded field. All the games at Madison Square Garden still back then. They hadn't started doing the home court thing yet because the world wasn't ready for it. It was a loaded, loaded NIT. And Al McGuire looked at the two tournaments and he said, "That's the one I want to play in." And the NIT said, "Come on down." So. If you looked at that list of names, how could you not say that's the one I would be a part of? Right. I mean, if you were trying to think of 16 teams that you wanted in your postseason basketball tournament, would it not be Manhattan, UNC, Army, Cincinnati, Georgia Tech, Duquesne, St. John's, Miami, Ohio, Marquette, Massachusetts, Utah, Duke, Oklahoma, Louisville, LSU, and Georgetown? Like, wouldn't those be the 16 if you wanted to design the perfect postseason tournament? I I don't know. And I, I do think, I mean... This is where I may be getting, I may be stretching things a little with these allegations, but it is interesting that 50 years after this NIT, the NIT got canceled for a year. I just, I think that's interesting. I'm not going to say anything about why that might have been, but I do think it's interesting that 50 years after that NIT, the NIT got canceled. So just going to put uh, that in everyone's ear. The ghost of Al McGuire. The ghost of Al McGuire, the ghost of the Marquois Warriors. Maybe the only thing missing from this this group of sixteen uh, would be New Mexico. That's true. That's true. You would have had a lot better TV ratings if you had New Mexico. Which who would have thought, right? Like New Mexico TV ratings. We have a, we have a buddy who used to live in Albuquerque. Now he lives in Boise. Um, he's not from either of those places. It's been a really weird draw for him. He sells wine, but. Based on what he said, I didn't think anybody in Albuquerque was watching the Lobos. It sounds like they are. It sounds like they love the Lobos. They've got the pit. They've got the pit. That's true. And they also, I feel like they're always almost getting in fights with New Mexico State every year. Like they never actually do it, but they're always thinking about it. Mm. A little like Xavier Cincy situation going on there. Right at the top of the draw, Manhattan over North Carolina to start it out. I mean, true. Yeah, it's that home court advantage, I guess. But something right. well, you can just imagine not... Asper's faithful packing that arena oh, yeah. and Dean Smith not being ready for it. Now, I will say, if you're talking about the difference between Dean Smith and Coach K, which I think is relevant right now, and I'm not, I'm not a UNC guy. UNC they missed their chance in the in, in the NIT like a decade ago. I'm not a UNC guy, but if you're talking about just courage compared to a guy who got beat in the 1978 NIT on the road and then just stopped playing non-conference road games for 40 years. Like, Dean Smith took it on the chin from Manhattan, and he played a lot more games in New York City over the rest of his life. So just want that on the record. Everybody think about that for a minute. That Coach K got his mouth punched by Purdue in 1978, took his ball and went home. Dean Smith lost to Manhattan. He kept coming back. And then Manhattan took on the armed forces, 
in the next round. And this was before gun control. So the armed forces were a lot better at basketball than they are now. Yeah. Speaking of America. Right. Speaking of, yeah. Interesting that the American conference doesn't have army Mm. and only has Navy and, and football, if I'm correct. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So doesn't have air force. Probably has invited them again. They keep inviting everybody. But Army remains independent, again, the way that the Founding Fathers intended. They wanted college sports to be played independently. And uh, there they were in 1970, making it to the Final Four, where they where they run into St. John's, another home court advantage situation. And, I mean, Army's pretty close to Madison Square Garden, too. Not just the armed forces in general, but actual West Point. It's, it's pretty close there. So this had a, a decidedly New York feel to it. This was not Marquois saying, hey, we want to go play at some neutral site because we're scared of playing on the road. This was Marquois saying, we want to play on the road. We want to play the big boys on their courts. I think this this LSU run is interesting as well, not only because of Pistol Pete, but they almost didn't get there a couple times. Yeah, I think, I mean, the thing that I don't think Pistol Pete gets enough credit for historically is that he was able to beat teams from both coasts, right? So Georgetown, big East Coast mm. school. He he took them down in the round of 16. And then Oklahoma, a famous West Coast school, went and took Sooners out in the quarterfinals in a game that was in the 90s also. And this was before the three-point line. Pistol Pete, the, the other thing about Pistol Pete that I don't think we talk enough about is when you look at the scores of these games, it's like, oh, LSU was in the 80s, LSU was in the 90s, LSU was in the 200s, but the opponents were right there too. He, I, I, and I'm, this isn't a defense knock. I'm assuming Pistol Pete played great defense because I saw a video of him dribbling once and it was sick. But I think it was really just, you know, once you're shooting on that same hoop, I would imagine he was changing the hoop metaphysically. I didn't personally see him play. I wasn't around for that. I was instead born in the era that needed me to resurrect the NIT. But Pistol Pete, he changed basketball. And that's another thing that was going on in this 1970 NIT. I mean, did the other tournament have Pistol Pete this year? No. Has it had Pistol Pete since? Maybe once or twice, but no more than that. The NIT had Pistol Pete in 1970 as it was making its last stand. Mm-hmm. And and of course, that's why Oklahoma State uh, made their mascot Pistol Pete afterward. Right, right, exactly. They're like, this guy, he owns Oklahoma, so... Guns up. I don't, is that something Oklahoma State people say? I would imagine it's not. I feel like I would have heard it by now. I live in Texas. I see enough of them. My aunt went there. Texas I Tech uses a lot of guns and gun imagery. <laughs> Texas Tech's the best. Texas Tech, of the Texas schools, far and away the coolest. Like Really? Oh, yeah. They're just there to have a good time. Because UT, so UT Austin, Texas, is like... They don't really actually care about sports. They just kind of care about caring about sports, right? They're like, we're just going to we're gonna try things out. We're going to throw another $40 million into a buyout to see if it makes us good at football. But they don't <laughs> actually care. You walk out of a Texas game where they blow like a 40-point lead, and they're fine. They're all right. There isn't, there isn't that need to win. And Texas A&M is a cult, so... That's clearly out of the running. But Texas Tech, it's like anybody can go there. Like really, pretty much anybody can go there. They riot whether they win or lose. They burned a big pile of scooters back in 2018. 
that was awesome because scooters are the worst. They uh, they're out in Lubbock, which is really hard to get to. So if you're trying, if you actually make it there, it shows a lot of dedication and commitment. If you're just trying to, if you're just trying to like get a degree, you can go to Texas State. You can go to UTSA, which I love UTSA. I love Texas State. But if you're trying to absolutely like destroy yourself, you go to Texas Tech, which I think is why it's the best. Also, I would imagine has the most, the highest, uh, highest quantity of chewing tobacco used by a tech has to be Texas Tech, like both in absolute terms and per capita. <laughs> So anyway, Texas Tech got its guns up from Oklahoma State, got its Pistol Pete from LSU, who's Pistol Pete, defeated Oklahoma in the quarterfinals of the 1970 NIT. It all comes back to Marquois. Marquois blew out Pistol Pete in the semifinals. I don't think that's something that gets talked about enough as part of this story. Marquois put up 101 on him. Again, might have been some metaphysics happening with the hoop, but... Really, it was uh, it was an impressive performance by by the Warriors, and some say this is this is legend. This is kind of passed down through the back alleys, but I know this is truth. Some say that that was the real national championship that year, that semifinal between Marquois and LSU. I know that you know you gotta you gotta beat the king to be the king, and so every NIT in one way or another does go through St. John's, the all time winningest program in NIT history. Um, but I don't know. There there really is that that line of thinking that that semifinal between Marquois and LSU was was the game. Um, also, I mean, I think another thing we should talk about with this, I, I do have the, the page pulled up right here for the other tournament in 1970 because we were talking... We were talking about how good that NIT field was. Listen to who played against UCLA in the championship in 1970. And I, I love John Wooden. I'm not here to rip on John Wooden. He was a product of his time. I get that he wasn't in a place to play in the NIT every year. He had to do things to put Los Angeles on the map. I get it. But the team that they beat in that nas- national championship game, and I'm doing scare quotes here, Jacksonville. Not even Jacksonville State, but Jacksonville. Like the A-Sun team that always loses to Florida Gulf Coast in the A-Sun semis when you're like, I'm going to watch every college basketball conference tournament game and then you forget two days in, but you hadn't forgotten at this point. One, Jacksonville. Like, you think that that is a better national championship game than Marquois against St. John's? I don't know. That's This is all I'm saying is that we like to view things in this black and white A's before B kind of way, but in 1970, B was before A. The 1970 NIT was, without a doubt, the better tournament. And also, you know who was in the Final Four of that other tournament that year? New Mexico State, who was not getting mm-hmm. the ESPN invite. You know, ESPN, all respect to Las Cruces, but ESPN doesn't, they don't set up shop there the way they do in Albuquerque. <laughs> So, just just saying. It's food for thought. Food for thought. Who's the fourth team? Uh, St. Bonaventure, the former twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two NIT favorites. They uh, they got bumped off their perch this week. We finally looked, and we were like, "Oh, those guys stink." 
the Perry Marquois Award. <laughs> you wonder who else has gotten that award? They've given it out. It's a great <laughs> So they they created oh this God. award in 1969, and they're like, we're gonna. Oh, Michael Collins was the third astronaut. So they gave it to Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins. And then they waited ten years. And we're like, well, if this is gonna be real, we need to give it out again. And they gave it to some theologian. I don't. This is an apology to theologians everywhere because maybe this guy's like the Scotty Pippen of theologians, but Carl Rahner <laughs> gets it in 1979. And that was the that was the second time. Since then, they've given it out three more times: um, once to Mother Teresa, once to Desmond Tutu, and once to the Little Rock Nine. So, I think it's honestly it's a great idea. Like if you just make an award and you make it so selective that you're like, we're not going to give it out on any regular intervals. Like when we see it, we know, and we're just going <laughs> to pick people where everybody's like, that guy's great. Like that guy's awesome or those people are awesome or that woman's awesome like great legitimacy now they didn't retire mother Teresa's jersey though as far as mm -hmm. i can tell which might be why mark another nit yeah <laughs> they don't like mother Teresa as much as they like astronauts mother Teresa is a stat patter she's a stat patter maybe they pads her stats she pads her stats that's true how many souls did you save, Mother Teresa? Well, these people <laughs> straight up went to the heavens. So, <laughs> I don't know. This is this is maybe a little insensitive, but St. Bonaventure's nickname at that time was the Brown Indians. Like, there's a lot of really offensive. I mean, there were a lot of offensive nicknames in the 1970 NIT. The Warriors had to get changed. St. John's was still the Red Men. I don't know what Miami, Ohio is, but I know they weren't the Red Hawks. Um, but yeah, so I'm just going to keep taking shots at St. Bonaventure here and see if I can uh, see if I can get get some of that hate drawn my way. Um, <laughs> but it is it was a it is uh it is really telling that the other tournaments final four featured ucla and then three real no-name programs while the 1970 nit had the united states army like the most powerful force in the world arguably What's saint more john's the most, right saint john's the most powerful nit program in the world marquois liberators of the nit and pistol pete's lsu so probably the top four programs of the 1970s right there in the first NIT of the decade. And I don't think that that gets talked about enough, personally. It certainly doesn't. Things that stood out to me, personally, as an NITist, the Holiday Inn marquee really shows how big of a cultural battle this was, right? The fact that the Holiday Inn would say, Welcome Al McGuire, NIT friend, Instead of saying, you know, welcome Al McGuire, welcome Al McGuire, greatest coach of all time, welcome St. Al, welcome St. Al McGuire, welcome Al McGuire, please adopt me and be my dad. The fact that it honed in on that NIT friend really says a lot about how deep this went in America at the time. And America, as we've talked about, was really busy. There was Vietnam. Um, we were on the verge of Watergate. There was Vietnam. Other stuff was probably happening. I think the Red Sox were pretty good in 1968. So it was like there was a lot going on in the United States at this time. And the fact that a, a roadside hotel 
or a hotel in New York, who's to say where that image was taken? I like to think of it as like, I don't know, maybe in Youngstown, like this was the spot that the Marquette bus stopped on their way to the NIT and the Youngstown, Ohio rose up and was like, yeah, Al McGuire, yeah, you're our, you're our champion, you're our liberator, you're going to bring the NIT and have it victorious over this uh, insurgent force that is the NCAA's uh, preferred tournament, which we try not to name. That just really, it really shows how deep it went. I'm assuming that on your, your gravestone, NIT Stu, you would love for it to say NIT friend. Oh, I would love that. Honestly, I would love that on a Holiday Inn marquee because I have a lot of Holiday Inn Express loyalty points. They, <laughs> uh, they have really good cinnamon rolls. So this one year when I was driving around the country, I stayed in a ton of Holiday Inn Express. And I now that I know that Al McGuire was also a Holiday Inn guy, I'm really starting to wonder about reincarnation. I need to look up when the NCAA killed that guy. Um, I'm, I'm sure that uh, you accomplished a ton that year as well because you stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Yes, exactly. very productive. Very productive. I the best sleep of my life. I've never slept as well as I did that summer. <laughs> They have firm pillows there and soft pillows, and they have a little booklet at some of them that tell you how to pick which one is right for you for sleeping. Wow. It's very beneficial. It's really, it's on the cutting edge of holiday and science. There we go. And then going to the actual basketball footage in there, I mean, even then, the NIT just had a dedication to terrible basketball. There was... That alley-oop where the guy threw the ball off the top of the backboard and into his teammates' hands, that was not supposed to happen. And that's something that the NIT is really stuck with, which we all love Taco Fall, but going back to my personal experience with the NIT, like that guy as a college basketball player was not all that effective. He was mostly effective as an intimidation factor. Like You know that teams spent a lot of time in practices with one little dude on a big dude's shoulders, uh, pretending scouting taco fall right that's kind of the same vibe i'm getting from that 1970 nit where it's just we're gonna create chaos uh the ball didn't touch the rim which was not a problem in the shot clock era or in the pre-shot clock era i should say it would be a problem in the shot clock era this is just basketball in its purest form and that's really that's what you get from the nit every year too so it, it is always cool seeing these old NIT videos. There's another, there's a good one of the Purdue, Indiana, the final few minutes of that championship back when they couldn't really see the clock on the court and everybody's just guessing what time it was. So everybody's throwing up last second shots, but it's not the last second. It's, <laughs> it's really a similar feeling in my soul to watching that where it just shows how, how deep this runs in the, in the bloodstream of America. And I would say the world, I, uh, I know that um, I've maybe had some uh, some pretty some pretty patriotic rhetoric on this, but I want to be clear that the reason I have that patriotism is that this is the only country that birthed the NIT. The Europa League is similar, but it's not quite the same. It's not quite the NIT. And seeing that Holiday Inn Express sign, seeing uh, Dean Menninger there doing whatever was happening on that play. It was That was really, it was really moving. <laughs> uh, Marquois obviously rolled through the tournament. They uh, even beat Pistol Pete by 22, proving that they were, I don't know, some people might say that Marquois was the greatest basketball program of all time. I, 
I don't personally know for sure. I'm not. I'm not someone who's the best team as I am, who's the right team as an IT fan. But Marquardt dominated the 1970 NIT, even took out St. John's, who, as we've established, was the GOAT program playing on what would eventually become their home floor. Might have been back then. I don't know how deep the St. John's Madison Square Garden connection goes. Might have been that way in the Bible. Unclear. It's been a while since I read it. so We should probably shout out who's on this Marquette team. Yeah, totally. I mean, Hugh McMahon, cult hero for his performance in that tournament. Um, also, shout out to the seniors on that team. Ron Ron doesn't get a lot of love, but having the same first name as his last name phonetically did a lot for that team. And Jack Burke, Jeff Sewell, Joe Thomas before his Browns days, uh, before his Wisconsin days even, back when he was just using up the basketball eligibility. I didn't know he was that old. But he was a great, great, great basketball player too. But I do, I do want to give the love to Dean Meminger because, um, so some facts about Dean Meminger. Some say that uh, Phil Jackson really got it all from Dean the Dream. They were teammates at some point in their lives uh, when they were on the Knicks, I believe it was. Um, Bill Cower. Some people also say also give Dean the Dream credit for him because. Bill Cower married a uh, a player that uh, Dean the Dream coached to a WPBL championship. WBL, excuse me. They left the P out, which makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Um, I mean, he was his place in basketball history is one of the more um, disproportionately untold. Right, like he is the best player on this championship team. He is this great player for the Knicks. He tutors Phil Jackson. He coaches in the WBL. This guy, and it's, I mean, I think that really speaks to what Al McGuire instilled in his players, which was this dedication to society, this dedication to basketball, this dedication to the country, this dedication to what's true. Because those are the things that Dean the Dream really, uh, really embodied through his whole career um, all the way up to uh, all the way up to when he, is he dead? I think he's dead. Yeah. To when he died in 2013. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, well, now that I'm on Al McGuire, I did talk about, I mean, we talked about uh, how the NCAA probably killed him. Mm. And I don't, maybe this is a little too edgy for you guys, but it, uh, his death is officially attributed to leukemia. Mm. I just want to throw out there, um, I mean, obviously we should be doing a lot to fight leukemia. Um, that's a really important cause, but I do think that it's worth asking the question of where it started and whether the NCAA might have been behind it, similar to this coronavirus and the cancellation of the 50th anniversary tournament. <laughs> they got owned by Marquette. <laughs> It's all a little too uh, aligned. My it's like there's some things that are clearly coincidences, and there's some things that clearly aren't. So, just gonna just gonna put that out there. Yeah, people are asking. Not saying who, but people are. Right, asking. I'm just we're just asking questions. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Stu. <laughs> So before you were kind of alluding to the French resistance and, you know, the, there's the, the French rallying cry, Viva La Vida. 
what's yeah. what's the rallying cry of NIT Stu as he leads the charge to return the NIT back to its its former glory? Right. Um, well, obviously, it has to be the title of another Coldplay song, and <laughs> personally, our rallying cry. And we don't share this a lot. We we tend to keep this private, but you guys seem trustworthy. I I assume you're not gonna brought to hundreds of listeners, if not thousands. Um, it's clocks. We say clocks to one another, and what we mean by that is um, one. That was a great song. We don't talk enough about what a good song that was. Maybe a little overplayed. Maybe we all got a little sick of it, but it was a good song. Two, we're here to turn the clocks back. We're here to turn them back to 1970, and we're never gonna get. Those 51 years we've lost, 52 now, we're in the 52nd year, but we can we can at least save this time ahead of us, because clocks, they not only turn backwards, but they turn forwards too, right? And just as there were these NITs in our past, there will be NITs to come, and there will be NITs just as glorious as that of 1970. It's going to be an absolutely beautiful sight up in the rafters of Fisserv Forum, Allegedly. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. When we really see the trio of the Apollo 11 jersey hanging next to Jay Billis's Duke jersey, mm-hmm. hanging next to NIT Stew's bucket hat. Oh, man. Anything, <laughs> anything to keep them safe from rain. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be an honor for us all. <laughs> There you have it. That is the story. And these are the college basketball stories. Is it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow us on Twitter at the CBB Stories. Also, see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the Stories Podcast Network at the Stories Pods on Twitter as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. Just a full list of Coldplay songs here in case we want to take any other uh, creative runs. At One that stuck out to me was... Um, Shoot, where was it? Oh, Adventures of Adventure of a Lifetime. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Been on quite an adventure. So it's been an adventure of a lifetime, indeed. Mm. Um, it would certainly be an amazing day mm-hmm. that you're looking mm-hmm. forward to. Yep. You could probably go Army of One, NIT Stu leading oh, the charge yeah. as an Army of One. The rallying cry with. I well, I don't want to discredit uh your efforts of your your legion, but if it's only you. Right, it is pretty close to only me. If <laughs> pretty close, pretty close. We're not, we're not going to throw everybody under the bus like that, but uh... maybe maybe you feel uh, another song here Atlas, maybe you feel like Atlas with the oh, the weight yeah. of of the NIT. It's on your shoulders. Weight of the world. Well, there there's us against the world also. That's another mm-hmm. one where it really, uh, yeah. Till kingdom come. Yeah. yeah. 
I want to get morbid with uh, Cemeteries of London. Oh, Rock, yeah, Rock, yeah. Rock. One, I mean, the, when you really think about the history of the U.S. and how much of it lies in those Cemeteries of London, too. <laughs> death, death and all of his friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the the beauty of the NIT and the lights of Madison Square Garden certainly will ever glow. That is that is so true. That is really that's really true. You got anything for every teardrop as a waterfall? Um, I would say that we've all shed a lot of tears over the NIT, and collectively, they probably are a waterfall. Fix you. Mm-hmm. We're we're all just trying I to mean, fix the college fix basketball land landscape. Yeah, yeah. I mean, side theory, or maybe just primary theory here, is Coldplay just writing songs about the NIT? And is that why they were forbidden from touring a few years ago? I think mm. I think you're right. I think you're onto something. I might be onto something here. <laughs> Has Coldplay ever played at Madison Square Garden? Oh man, let's check. Let's check Coldplay Madison out. Square Garden. Oh man. Oh yeah. According to YouTube, they have. We got a lot of bootlegs. Has it been a while? (laughs) Man, I would... Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to look at the third letter of each of their set lists from that and see what they're spelling (laughs) out. Probably something like... But maybe it'll be free the NIT. Maybe the NIT. Yeah. Maybe it says Al McGuire. NIT friend. NIT friend. (laughs) friend. Welcome, Al McGuire. NIT friend. (laughs) Stay at the Holiday Inn. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Now I wonder if my old friend Shaka Smart knows the legacy that he's trying to uphold up there. I haven't spoken to him since a, that one time. You're a pretty impressive friend group of you and Shaka and Jay Billis. Right, right. I've never spoken to Jay Billis. I spoke to Shaka once. I told him I was a professional uh jackass on the internet and he, he thought that was cool or he told me it was so i think he was a little scared because i was wearing a tie with basketballs on it <laughs> just a couple other to, to throw at you murder um you know we've talked That's about a good idea talked about al you know i think just that is a rallying cry it couldn't be more fitting uh old friends one i love yep um see you soon oh yeah yeah uh till yeah, kingdom yeah. come yeah wow this is huge i don't think that i've uh i've thought enough about old play and the grander and a reign of love i'm seeing now as i scroll through a list and i think finally us against the world that's beautiful wow there that's we really are something oh i mean i shouldn't have ended there what if oh, we man. never change? Man, the W's, I mean, they always come through. I really think. You only live twice. You only live <laughs> Oh my God, it's perfect. <laughs> I have to get your thoughts on the CBI. Oh, yeah. The CBI is oh, a friend. Yeah. We all need to be clear that the CBI is a friend. Um, that's something I've personally struggled to walk the tightrope on because it's like, look, yeah, we love you guys. We love the CBI. We love the CIT. We love the Vegas 16, um, RIP, pour one out. But at the same time, like 
we're here fighting the battle against the NCAA, and you guys are just kind of on the side doing your own thing. And we want you to keep doing that thing, and we support it, but we have bigger, bigger demons to fight right now. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Does. Yeah. So, um, I also want to get thoughts on like early season tournaments. You know, the, oh yeah, the invitational. Uh, these now uh, multi-team events. Right. I didn't know they were called that before they started being called that, uh, before John Rothstein really sure. told us how things work, as is his want. Yeah. Um, Can't also uh, leave out the Battle for Atlantis. The Battle for Atlantis. The Bad Boy Mowers. The Bad Boy Mowers Battle for Atlantis, which, like, I don't know, I think it was maybe Jim Root made the point of if you have a mower, like, you want it to be a bad boy, right? Like, you... You want that mower to not take any shit. Right. Yeah. Um, Never know also... what you're going to encounter in the yard, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the preseason in IT is, is congratulations to Iowa State for winning. There was one, let me see what it was called here. There was one that was a little ambiguous about which side of, um, of cancer it was on. Oh, no, it was racism. There was something called the E-Racism Invitational this year. That one, not actually a tournament. Mm. Also unclear what it was trying to do, but it was called the E-Racism Invitational, and it did not get nearly enough attention. There was the Bahamar Bahamas Championship where that game got finished in a conference room because the floor was leaking. <laughs> so <laughs> the ESPN Events Invitational, how did you guys feel about that one? Big week for uh, y'all. Loved it. Yeah, I bet. Coming out party. Um then we went right back in. Yeah. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> left, left our joy in Orlando. Right, right. Um, the, oh, I have to go back to the, the e-racism. Are yeah. they trying to digitalize racism or are they trying to erase racism? Is that right. That's the question we're all trying to answer. Um, it, Personally, it sounds a lot more like the former than the latter, but I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt if they'll give me the benefit of the doubt. Sure. Yeah, you don't so want to promote, was... you know, online racism, but... Right, like, that's kind of, I don't know, is that the worst kind of racism? It's certainly a bad kind of racism. I also like the ones where there's, like, eight uh, eight sponsors, like Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, Fort Myers Tip-Off, and the Romans Legends <laughs> Classic, presented by the Trapper. <laughs> it's like not only are we advertising boner pills, but we're also advertising old trapper. <laughs> Nobody wanted to fork over the entire payment for this, right, uh, right. for this tournament that we could only draw at New Mexico State and uh St. Bonaventure, I assume. Yeah. Uh, they they beat my boy Shaka Smart. They beat him in uh I forget where that was. Fort Myers, I think. That actually might have been Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Sorry, to answer your initial question, though, I love the Maui Invitational. I love it the most when it's in Asheville, because that's where Shaka Smart won it. (laughs) (laughs) It's fair. That was where it was at its best. After that Marquois quip, he just... Oh, man. Mic dropped. So clearly the NCAA is after me right now. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, big uh, NCAA. Communist, broadca- communist yeah. broadcasting system is hacking in. 
Right. Classic. Classic. I actually went to the wrong season. I went to the the season after this, the 7071. And I made an astonishing discovery. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to, I'm going to do this for you here and get your kind of live. Thank you. Live this reaction. saves me so... from a youth soccer ad. <laughs> <laughs> is, is Ron Ron not on the team? I'm not sure about the stats. Ron Ron had on. graduated by 1971. But I saw a name on here that kind of struck me, and it was this one. Is that Allie, Allie McGuire? McGuire. And Allie I looked McGuire's it up. Daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and she played in the NBA, too. Um, you don't hear a lot about her. First female NBA player had the same hair as her dad. <laughs> Great locks in that family. Great um, locks. But no, his his son. Yeah, man, I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that that's... I wonder, too, you know, there's always those scenes in the movies where the hero's kids get dragged into it and things mm. change right like things are so uh so emotional things are so principled but then your kid is involved and it's a lot harder to risk your kid's life than your own Mm -hmm. and i look at this and i look at the fact that in 1971 um al mcguire did go play in the other tournament and i wonder what the ncaa did to him and what it threatened when it comes to his son Right, because 71, 72, 73, Allie McGuire's three years on the varsity team. He was a freshman during the NIT season. It is it is interesting, and you wonder, I mean, these are stories that will never be told. I know that this is a podcast for stories to be told, but you just wonder what was happening in those back rooms where the NCAA was saying, hey, Al, we see your son. You better bring him to our tournament or something's going to happen to him, you know? Well, and that thing that, that was going to happen was we lost Ron Ron from the team. Right. Ron Ron sent out to Greener Pastures as an example. What a name. Also, Allie McGuire, all that comes to my mind is a combination between Allie McBeal and Jerry Maguire. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I also, I don't know what just happened. I was clicking around on Wikipedia and I ended up on the Wikipedia page of a guy named Doggy Julian. Which is a hell of a name. Yeah, I'm not gonna go into Doggy Julian's life because that's that's another few hours. But there's like six, six degrees of separation, but it's like six Wikipedia clicks away from Doggy Johnson. Yeah, he is linked somewhere on Al McGuire's Wikipedia page, and I somehow just accidentally clicked it. <laughs> Love it. Love you know, it. Al McGuire did play at St. John's. He uh, oh. he didn't. I don't know if he won an NIT. Let's check if he won an NIT here. But he likely played in an NIT third. title game. Yeah. Well, he finished third in uh, mm-hmm. at least once, maybe twice in his collegiate career. So some could also say that this was an element of Al McGuire chasing his own chasing his own past. He was from Queens, where I think St. John's is located. I I have a really hard time with what's Queens and what isn't what isn't in uh in New York. I don't know about you guys, but Queens confounds me no you're our you're a resident, resident new york you're a resident new york geographer oh perfect well in that case then yeah manhattan not in manhattan and al mcguire grew up in queens 
presumably used both of the airports equally. <laughs> like what's the what's the entourage movie? Queen's oh, Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, Queen's yeah. Boulevard. <laughs> it's actually about Alan McGuire. It's an allegory. Yeah. <laughs> who who are you guys uh NIT Final Fours right now? If I if you don't mind me throwing a question your way. It's a lot of pressure. Well yeah, I mean it's okay if, if you don't have it off the top of your head, even just one or two, just thoughts. Thoughts you have on the twenty twenty two NIT. I assume you're thinking about it. Of course. It's a fluid situation. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, my head immediately goes to some A ten teams because mm-hmm. right, you know, right. We have a we have a um, A ten podcast, the three bid league. Uh, oh, we're most sure. definitely a one bid league this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So, well, well, but maybe three bids where they count, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, one no. bid to the lesser tournament. Three bits to the good one, right? Correct. Okay. Yes, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I mean, I think there's there's a number of teams in contention for those those spots. Um, I think St. Bonaventure, as you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Davidson, who's who's been on an impressive run lately, and then, you know, I think if if things can click right for these young Dayton Flyers, we might be staring down a look at our second. Uh, NIT title in uh, just over a decade. Mizzou is really good this year. I, I have them high on my mm. NIT rankings. Uh, they might be the worst Power Five basketball team in the country, but I think uh, I think they can turn this, you know, right the ship and, and get into this thing. Um, I like that. I like that faith. Can I give you another uh, dark horse, maybe more kind of shocking pick? Please, please. So I'm going to predict a uh, bit of a collapse for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Oh, I would love that. Two of the last three. Um, Of course, losing to, uh, you know, a bad Memphis team. Well, defending national champions. Yes, but, you know, the expectations were then there. I mean, they're six and four. Um, That's fair. It's about 500. (laughs) And then, you know, just lost to Davidson. Grueling, grueling game at Missouri coming up. Um, you know, then play Auburn, Mississippi State, the aforementioned LSU, back against Missouri. Got to play number one Baylor at some point here. So. Oh, I forgot they drew them in the Big 12 SEC. You know, got... Iowa State, Mizzou, yeah. Yeah, so I- I'm going to predict a-, a bit of a slide here for Alabama to fit right in that number one seed for the NIT. I love that. And the reason I love that the most is that Nate Oates is not afraid to talk shit to Coach K through me, the media. Um, <laughs> and getting him to do that during the farewell tour and then hunkering down with him in whatever the anti-NCAA bunker is that you have to go into, like witness protection once you say something bad about that guy. <laughs> I, I'm excited for that ride. Uh, so thank you for that. That just gave me something to dream about tonight. <laughs> Give me the uh, the professionals' opinion. Yeah, I mean, well, the favorite right now is San Francisco. The thought there being they didn't really actually Dons. beat anybody in non-conference play. They're named the Dons, which is great. Bill Russell played there, so there's the historic tie. So they're the team we're really, like, hammering home on right now in the media, um, giving you a little inside baseball on NIT media and how that works. Um, 
Washington State, not to get too big into the West Coast bias here, being um, west of the Mississippi as I am, as you guys are too, being from St. Louis. Um, but Washington State with Kyle Smith and Moneyball up there, there's really there's some there's some NIT vibes for sure happening in Pullman. Anytime you hold a team to 29 points, that kind of screams NIT because it's like something was going wrong that they, you know, like Gonzaga never holds teams to 29 points, right? Like that only happens in NIT style games or like a Big Ten wet dream. Um, <laughs> so Washington State's on the radar. I think one that probably isn't getting, it's kind of a boring pick, a little vanilla, but Mississippi State, they're just, they're always around. They're always there. Ben Holland, he cares. And uh, I think that you can't fault a guy for caring. And then there's usually one wild card. Um, I don't know. I This is a little controversial in NIT circles right now because most of the love in the OBC is going to Belmont, but I don't see why it can't be Murray State. You know, they, uh, they also, like Belmont, are pretty mediocre. Um, unlike Belmont, I don't think they played anybody in non-conference play. Unlike Belmont, I think they just got passed up for a lot of realignment stuff, so they got something to prove. And granted, this might change if it's a 16-team tournament instead of a 32-team tournament, but keep your eye on uh, on the racers. <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys for uh, for letting me do this, for letting me spread yeah. the NIT gospel. I hope that, one, the NCAA lets me live through the end of the year, and two... Um, <laughs> that maybe we've gained a few converts this year i hope so you certainly have a couple converts here um if the ncaa does let you live through the end of the year it's only a couple more days so enjoy yeah, them I, if i die of leukemia just like <laughs> the next three days in the next three days <laughs> not trying oh. to make light of it <laughs> <laughs> No, we'll know what happened. We'll know, we'll know what happened. Going on. Call him a shot. <laughs> That's right.